1: Tonight, a new poll shows that a sizable number of Republicans, Democrats, and Independents believe that President Trump will be reinstated as president this year. We will break down those numbers with Boris Epstein, and he will lay out how reinstatement could work and how it is not unconstitutional, as some legal experts say, on the left and on the right. And as Joe Biden lurches to the left, Catholic bishops across America are working toward denying Biden communion at Catholic Mass in response to the administration's pro-abortion stance. Father Frank Pavone from Priests for Life will be here to tell us why Catholics in America are breaking from the direction of the Vatican on this. And 56 House Republicans just signed a letter to Joe Biden asking Kamala to be removed as border czar. Congressman Ralph Norman is one of those who signed that and he's ready for Kamala to get the boot. Now over the weekend, I spoke to the Florida Teenage Republicans Convention. What an honor. And I wanted to recap a little of what I told young people at the event. They didn't record my speech and I appreciate that so that I could speak candidly with them. But I want to run through some of the points I made that are safe for TV. So this will be your doctor's orders for tonight. I told this young group over the weekend that the MAGA movement needs them to pursue a career path that will make them wealthy. This is advice that was never given to me as a young person. We need more Donald Trumps out there, and I don't mean Donald Trump clones. We just need America first conservatives who will be able to get involved in politics and not be beholden to donors or consultants. That was the magic of Trump. He made his billions and then, then he ran for office, not the other way around. Establishment politicians are all very wealthy, but they owe that to the establishment. So if they expect to hold on to power, they must follow the dictates handed down by the good old boys club. And if they stray, the elite have plenty of other establishment clones ready to put in their place. If you are a young person who loves politics and thinks you might run someday, then do not pursue a philosophical degree. This is my advice. If you want to major in poli-sci, then make that your minor and get a degree that will lead you to a lucrative career so that you will someday be able to run for office without the help of the political establishment. Now, if you are a young person who's concerned about our country and wants to know what you can do to save it, become wealthy, become ridiculously wealthy because you will be the one who can run for office independent of anyone else, or you could help someone else's office, uh, run for office, someone else who puts America first. Remember the 2016 primary debates when Donald Trump stood on stage with something like 15 other politicians? Remember that day? It was clear then he was the only one who could, not just would, but could keep his promises when he got into office. Republican presidents before him uh, talked a, a nice talk But whenever it came time to deliver, they got into office, and then they had to pay back those who did them favors and gave them the money to get where they were. Donald Trump circumvented all of that, and we need young people today to focus on entering politics in the style of Donald Trump. And don't think that you can't become ridiculously wealthy. And also, don't believe for one second that there's anything wrong with becoming wealthy. Becoming wealthy is not being greedy as long as you do it with a, uh, an intent on helping other people. Every time that Donald Trump or any wealthy person buys another property and begins building or renovating, countless jobs are created. Families are, uh, stay together and, and, and our culture is emboldened. And if you don't become independently wealthy, you will always be beholden to the political class. They have a great system in place. No one gets into power without their help and without their consent, except for Trump and Reagan, by the way, he was one, one of the other candidates that the establishment didn't approve of and whom they could not control. So when you're choosing your career path, choose finance or business or any kind of trade, something technical. Even if you choose to go to trade school, you can build your wealth and then someday use it for a great purpose, a really great purpose. Become the best plumber you can be then start your own plumbing business. Hire someone to take on the jobs you can't handle, then hire another, then another, until your job is to tell others what jobs to do, then hire someone to be the dispatcher. Then you go and you start your next business. But poli-sci or other degrees like that, there's no income stream there that causes you to become wealthy, unless you're Carl Rove but don't get me started on that guy. I have a friend who I made over the past year or so who lives in another state. He started out working on cars, body work specifically. Now, if you get into a fender bender, you take your car to him. But then one day he realized a lot of common sense in this man that he had to call a tow truck every time someone needed their banged up car towed to his shop. So guess what he did? He saved up. He bought a tow truck. Then he started getting calls from the local police department to tow cars that they got impounded. So he got another tow truck, and then another, and then he needed space to hold all the cars. So guess what he did? He bought the lot next to him, next to his auto body shop. And then he realized that often he had to send cars to a mechanic to fix engines and other problems that he couldn't fix for whatever reason. So he bought the lot on the other side of his body shop and he hired a mechanic to work for him instead of sending the work to someone else, and then he realized. He had a great little space where he could stick a bedroom to rent over the top of his repair shop. Why not? So he rented that out and became a landlord. And then the house next to him was for sale. Guess what he did? He bought that. You're right. And then he realized he had a lot of foot traffic through his very busy auto body shop. So he put a little water purification system in that he sells to people who come in there. And then he put Trump gear in there for sale. He sells that too. And now he's thinking it's time to run for governor of his state. Guess what? You could do that too. He started out repairing cars, but he's built a fortune right there, bought up an entire block in his town, in his state where he lives. This can be you. You just need to have a trade that you're good at. now. You may have noticed that the leftist politicians are almost always lawmakers. They use that to shield themselves by using attorney-client privilege and to be able to pass money through law firms. That's essentially untraceable because lawyers who were politicians made sure their profession was protected because that's what they do so they could continue their dirty schemes. That's why Hillary never went to prison for her illegal email server, you know? And she and everyone around her, guess what profession they chose? Attorney. And then they all claim attorney-client privilege. And then when it came time to send money to fund the fake Russian steel dossier, she passed money through New York firms to hide the source of that funding. So if you plan to be a corrupt leftist establishment politician, then law school is for you. Although there are a few great conservative lawyers out there, so don't, get me, don't, don't ever let me discourage you from studying law. I think it's a great profession. But whatever you do, make sure you can be free of outside influence when you decide to enter the political arena. Don't presume that certain fields like medicine or law are instant money because some of them are really hurting right now because of our politics. They're not all rich. Make sure you have a technical skill that is marketable, marketable that you can build on, like my friend who, built the car, who worked on cars. Don't cut corners. Take your time. Build a business. Build wealth. Fight for America because the fight for America will never be over. And don't worry. We're going to need you in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now. There will always be establishment politicians hungry for more power. So don't take shortcuts now. Take time, and you can build yourself into a force that is a thousand times greater than you, a thousand times more effective than if you just jump in now. Build a life, build a business, build a family, gain life experience, gain wealth, and then toss your hat into the political ring when you are ready to win it. Coming up, over 50 members of Congress say it's time to kick Kamala to the curb from her border czar job. One of those congressmen is with me. Stay tuned for that. That's up next. And coming up a little later in the show is reinstatement constitutional. Well, one of the country's top legal experts, Boris Epstein, says yes. And we will show you the poll that shows just how many Democrats think that Donald Trump will be back before the end of this year, this one's going to blow your mind. Stay with us. So much more here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Back in
0: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes.
2: Talk about starting the morning right.
0: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Oh. mm mm Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.
1: It's another day of the Biden border crisis or the Kamala border crisis, since she is the border czar, even though she's never been to the border. We'll just forget about that. 56 House Republicans have sent a letter to Joe Biden calling on him to get rid of her as the border czar and to find someone who actually cares about the crisis, maybe even someone who'll take the time to travel to the border. I know it's asking a lot. One of those is my next guest. His name is Congressman Ralph Norman. He's not afraid to stand up to inaction, and he joins me right now. Congressman, good to see you.
3: My pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Jenny.
1: Congressman, are you sure that Kamala Harris isn't intentionally, and and I mean this in a very sincere way, trying to extend this border crisis? Because I'm not sure, in in my calculation, she wants to fix this at all. The longer we are overrun, the more poverty stricken people flood into our country, the more drugs and crime. And that means we need larger government, a lot more spending to fix all the problems created by the illegal immigrant surge. So do you have hope that Biden will act on this letter?
3: Well, I don't, you know, I don't hold out that they're going to pay any attention to the letter, Dr. Jean. I think that They wanna extend it to the extent that they can get as many people in this country and they're on track for over a million and a half before the end of the year if they keep going. And I think that what their end game is to get driver's license to them and to get uh, potential voters that will keep them in office. And that's gotta be the end game for them because why else would they do this? Why else would she laugh when they ask if she'd been to the border and she said she hadn't been to Europe? What's that got to do with anything? And Mayorkas, the people, you know, head of, you know, DHS is just as bad. I mean, he has has platitudes, but no answers. So their end game is just to get voters, in my opinion. It's got to be it.
1: Let's assume for a moment that Kamala really does want to fix the crisis, but she's just really uh, stupendously bad at it. (laughs) If she were to be replaced, that would be horrible optics. I mean, we know how this would look. How do you think that Biden could replace her and still maintain a little dignity here or is it too late for that because maybe the only way that biden could replace as kamala as borders are is if it looked good from a pr perspective i want you to comment on this
3: yeah and you know if you look at the rest of his picks over this administration this is basically incompetent people combined with ignorance which is a bad combination Uh, i think they're you know what they intend to do is try to keep the publicity down if they went to the border. Uh, whether it's Kamala Harris or Biden, that the cameras would follow. And I know when we were there, they wouldn't allow pictures uh, to be taken of the children uh, in, in, in the cages. So I think they just want to try to hide it and want to try to keep uh, doing what they're doing. And uh, it's a sad situation. And, and for Mayorkas and to, to say they want to hire Border Patrol agents, we'll go down and talk to them. Plus, there's no money in the budget for it. And for Kamala Harris, again, to, to cackle, uh, it's, it's not a laughing matter, particularly when you talk to the agents who are changing diapers, not doing what they were trained to do. You talk to the ranchers who are getting their ranches overrun, their water lines cut, their cattle dispersed. Uh, it's, a, it's a serious problem. And, but it goes to look at all the other crises they're facing economically. Inflation. Uh, they're not doing anything about it. And, and when have they had a meaningful press conference where the press asks them meaningful questions? They won't do it. And they, they've been getting away with it. But I know that uh, there are a lot of Republicans who are going to continue to ask questions. We're going to write letters. If they choose not to respond, then so be it. But we're going to keep the pressure on and do what we can do to, to highlight such a, 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 an administration that is disconnected to the American people.
1: Well, and that's your job as a representative of your constituents. Uh, that's something that uh, all people in your position should be doing. Congressman, I have to ask you about the inflation problem. We are in, uh, in our economy right now. We have the price of most goods rising, and these are the kinds of goods that really do affect the middle class. It's very alarming, and I think this is another crisis. And, and, and forgive me for my cynicism here. I don't think the administration has any intention of fixing this. Being president is hard. I get that. Maybe Biden and those pushing him to do his job um, you know, just realize that he clearly cannot handle this job. But maybe they also should have thought about that before they propped him up and put him out there as their puppet.
3: Well, and, and uh, Dr. Gina, look at where this administration is coming from. They're career bureaucrats. They've always mm-hmm. depended on, on a paycheck. From we, the taxpayers, they've never run a business. They've they've never had had to hire people and be responsible and accountable for you know the people they employ. They've just gotten a government paycheck. Uh, he's been in uh, Biden has been in office, uh, been in politics for a half a century, and what what has he got to show for it? And I don't think he understands what to do because if if you've been Uh, in in the role he's played in politics, uh, he wouldn't, he doesn't know what the average American goes through who's trying to put food on the table, who's trying to care for his family, who's trying to run a business. Uh, I don't think he identifies, nor does he care. And uh, Kamala Harris is the same way. There's a disconnect there. And the the American people deserve better. But I don't think they're going to get it with this administration. And I don't think that Uh, I think they're they're incompetent uh, and they're they're ignorant of the facts. And so as long as they stay with it, it's going to be a long four years or three and a half years.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe 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 not. Maybe there's a plan otherwise than that. But uh, that is for a different day and a different conversation, Congressman Ralph Norman. We appreciate all you're doing to represent the voice of your constituents. That it doesn't seem this administration wants to hear. Thank you so much. Keep on that heat. Thank you.
3: We'll do it. My pleasure.
1: All right. Joe Biden and the Catholic Church are about to clash. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops voted to advance a proposal to deny politicians, and that includes Joe Biden, uh, to the- deny them Holy Communion for their stance on on abortion. The Washington Post is doing its best to paint Biden as an observant Catholic. In a tweet, they talked about Biden regularly attending mass, crossing himself himself, and using rosary beads. So as long as he does that, that means he's an observant Catholic, or so says the Washington Post, dependable on everything, of course. Joining me now, the director of Priests for Life, Father Frank Pavone. Father, great to
4: see you. Hi, Gina. Great to be with you today. Thank you.
1: The U.S. Conference of uh, Catholic Bishops says this is meant to create Eucharistic consistency to guide priests across the country on what to do when their local pro-abortion politician comes in for communion at Mass. Um, What do you think
4: of this? Well, you know, uh, Dr. Gina, communion means something. The word means union with. When you receive communion in the Catholic Church, Our understanding of this sacrament, which is the central greatest of all the sacraments, is that you are saying you want to be fully united with Jesus, with all your brothers and sisters in the community of the church. In other words, you accept what the church teaches. And this understanding has been from the very, very beginnings of the church. So all the bishops are doing here is repeating an age old teaching and applying it to the current circumstances where. The occupant of the White House identifies himself as a Catholic. They have a duty to teach these things so that people in our general society are not confused about what the Catholic Church actually teaches about communion and about these various issues like, uh, like the right to life.
1: And what about the Washington Post, though, Father? They say that Biden is an observant Catholic, regularly attending Mass, crossing himself, using rosary beads. Does that count as being observant because he uses rosary beads and crosses himself and goes to Mass sometimes, even if he's in favor of aborting babies?
4: Well, as you and most of our viewers will, uh, will certainly know, our Lord said, not those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Heavenly Father. Again, union, communion, means I'm actually doing God's will in all the different aspects of my life. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. We know that we all sin every day. And, 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 and communion is not for the perfect. It's for sinners. But we go down the road of our discipleship, and we fall, and we stumble, and we and you were weak. But at least we're on the right road. When it comes to aborting babies, uh, Joe Biden is taking steps where he's on a completely different road. He's not trying to protect these babies. He's trying to put more money into the abortion industry. He omitted the Hyde Amendment from his budget. This is the first time in four decades that that's occurred, a bipartisan agreement that our tax money wouldn't be used to kill babies, and he just throws it out the window. I mean, this is not a matter of somebody trying to be observant and falling through weakness and saying, oh, I want to be in communion. He doesn't want to be in communion. And that's that's where, you know, it's not about the bishops denying him communion. It's about Biden and others like Pelosi and and many others who are prominent Catholics in political life. It's about them denying themselves communion by separating themselves from the church on very key issues. And I would go further and say, it's not just that they're separating themselves from the demands of their Catholic faith. Dr. Gina, as you've heard me say, We need public servants who know the difference between serving the public and killing the public. Supporting abortion is not just against the faith. It's against the very meaning of public service. And this is where these people have to face up to what's really going on here and be honest and be consistent about what they really support. One of
1: the things that's really confusing to we non-Catholics outside the faith, and you're one of my dearest friends, um, but I'm not Catholic, you know that. And um, and one of the things that's confusing looking in from the outside is the hierarchy. Um, You have Pope Francis at the moment, who seems to espouse so many of the most leftist, elitist sorts of values. Um, Will that have any impact on what the bishops... Are able to do along these lines?
4: Well, it will have an impact on what those who do not want to take action against politicians like Biden will be emboldened to say. And, and and this is why I think we see a certain core of resistance among the bishops to taking any action in this regard. But although, of course, if you look at what Pope Francis has said on abortion, he said, hey, it's like hiring a hitman, you know, go and kill that baby. He's he said the right things. And he's been very strong on this. But what you say is also true. He's, he's he's created a lot of confusion and a lot of the positions he's taken have been more on the left. Uh, but really the bottom line, what people have to look at here is that in the Catholic Church is a one fundamental principle of how the church is structured is that each bishop in his own diocese sets the norms for discipline. If a bishop wants to say in his diocese, Joe Biden cannot receive communion. Nancy Pelosi cannot receive communion. He has the right to do that. He can set that policy even now. He doesn't have to wait for the conference to come up with a statement. He doesn't even have to wait for the Pope to do anything. He already has that authority. And uh, that's where each of these men is going to have to decide what he's going to do. Let me make a comparison here, uh, Gina. In the political realm, in the civic realm, people are sick and tired of the failed leadership uh, that 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 represents the the establishment and in the past they're tired of it and this is why of course uh, our our friend Donald J Trump was was elected in 2016. Well, we see the same thing happening in the church. People are tired of weak leadership. They're tired of people in positions of authority who don't have any courage and who can't speak with any clarity. Just as President Trump has brought a re- that breath of fresh air into the into the secular political realm. We need leaders in the church to bring that same kind of courage and clarity into the church realm. This issue with communion and Biden is a great opportunity to do that. And I know a lot of these bishops will step up to the plate and they will at least exercise that kind of courageous leadership within their own diocese, just like ministries like Priests for Life try to do within the sphere of our influence. You've been one of
1: the top leaders of the pro-life movement in the Catholic Church for decades, and you've seen good times and tough times for this movement. This administration is certainly a lot different than the last last one. Um, how does that impact your day-to-day life as a Catholic?
4: Well, it, what it does, first of all, it, it certainly brings a lot of people to uh, get involved in the movement because they realize that we have now uh, literally, an enemy, an enemy of the unborn, an enemy of the uh, of the pro life cause, uh, not only in the White House but in so many positions in Congress. But at the same time, our movement is making such tremendous progress on the state level, because as as you know, as you've discussed, and many people who follow the political uh, direction of our country have realized, in the 2020 election. It was Republicans, it was pro-life candidates who gained on the state level. And that's where a lot of the difference is made when it comes to abortion policy. And that's why we see more laws being passed to limit and and to even prohibit abortion on the state level than ever before. So what it creates is is, is a new sense of urgency. It does create concern and for some people distress, uh, for all of us distress at what's happening on the federal level, but a great deal of encouragement. Uh, not only on the state level, but the fact that the majority for the, for the Democrats and for the pro-abortion advocates is not that great in, in, uh, in Congress. And it's going to change in the midterms, I'm very confident. And that's giving our movement a great sense of, of hope for the immediate future.
1: All right. Father Frank Pavone just doesn't get any better than that. Thank you so much. And then you just being on our show. I mean, obviously not the Biden administration, (laughs) but thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom, as you always do. And tell us where we can find all the things that you do. I know you put out some great stuff that our viewers will want to know about.
4: Yes. uh, Simple website, endabortion.us. And that's our main website, many, many different aspects to our ministry, as you know, endabortion.us.
1: Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Father. See you soon. Thank you. Coming, coming up, you won't believe how many Democrat voters believe that President Trump will be reinstated into power this year. Boris Epstein is up in a few, and he is going to break down the latest polls and tell us how Trump could be placed back into power legally before the next election stick around we're dr gina primetime coming at you
0: carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car that's why every car we sell is carmax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer so don't settle
1: Turning our attention to Georgia, the election audit in Fulton County, Georgia has been stalled because of lawsuits from the left. Last month, a judge gave the go-ahead to inspect 145,000 absentee ballots in Fulton County, Georgia. But the county went to court and asked the judge to stop the audit. Superior Court Judge Brian Amaro heard from both sides today, and Heather Mullins is in Fulton County, Georgia, and Heather joins us now. Heather, give us an update.
5: Hey, Dr. Gina, um, as you know, I'm back here in Georgia today. There was a hearing in Henry County with Judge Amaro regarding the Fulton County lawsuit filed by voter GAs, Garland Favarito, uh and some other plaintiffs to unseal 150,000 or so ballots in Fulton County. Um, so that, that hearing took place today. As we know, the last thing, big thing that we reported on was that the Fulton County Board of Registrations and Elections hired two of Georgia's top criminal defense attorneys to now represent them in this civil case. Um, they filed a number of emotions. Uh, specifically, the argument they raised today in the courtroom was about sovereign immunity, saying that uh, citizens did not have the legal grounds to sue the Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections. And what you have is Fulton County is saying that we're not responsible. It's the Board of Registration and Elections. Board of Registration and Elections is saying you gotta see the county. And so nobody wants to take responsibility. Plaintiffs still want answers. Uh, I did not hear any objections to the actual unsealing of the ballots uh, per se. Although somebody from Fulton County did raise the concern that the Open Records Act they claim does not give the judge the authority to go in and create new higher quality forensic images of these ballots, only that he can access the ones that already exist, which are, uh, as we've heard, not high enough quality in order to get the information that they need. So that's basically what happened today. Uh, the judge said he's going to take all of the motions under advisory and make a decision. Once that decision is made, uh, Fulton County will have seven days to answer. Back to you, Dr. G.
1: A new poll out from The Hill found that 30% of Republicans believe that Donald Trump will be reinstated as president of the United States. But it also found that 13% of Democrats think that too, as well as 26%, almost the same as the amount of Republicans, of independents who think that. When I heard these numbers, I had to call the man who could break it all down for us from a legal perspective. He is a political guru and also one of our nation's greatest legal minds, Boris Epstein. Boris, great to see you. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Gina, thank you so much. Amazing to see you, and I really appreciate the kind words.
1: And happy Father's Day to you. Boris, tell me, what does this mean that so many Democrats, and independents especially, think that President Trump could be reinstated as president. And they think, I believe I read, within the next two years. That's an amazing time frame.
2: Well, Gina, to go to the bottom of the issue, the real problem here for Democrats and for Joe Biden is that a huge percentage of Americans believe that there was widespread voter fraud, election fraud across the country that helped Joe Biden get to the Oval Office. And the further we go on this freight train of audits from Arizona to Georgia to Pennsylvania and more deeply, deeply horrifying information is uncovered. Ballots missing. Databases missing in Arizona. Fulton County chain of custody documents missing in Georgia and Atlanta. Pennsylvania, a total cesspool of disaster. The more of that information comes out, the more Americans believe that this was a fraudulent election. And then this poll shows that Americans believe that if there's a fraudulent election, there's got to be consequences. It's not just a large number of Republicans, as you see there. It's actually 13% of, 30 percent of Democrats believe President Trump will be reinstated this year, and that 26% of independents. This is a very, very interesting, and I think a very momentous poll because it shows that the work being done to uncover the truth about the deep fraud throughout 2020, throughout that election, is actually cutting through all Americans, not just Republicans, but Democrats and independents as well.
1: And that's what's key there about this poll. If you listen to the you know propaganda press I like to call them, they'll say this is absolutely not true. this is conspiracy theory stuff. Um, but so and, and, and even truly, Boris, if you listen to some in the establishment on the right and some not on the establishment on the right who um, believe they have some view of this that is um, somehow legally, constitutionally other, um, they will say, that this is not constitutional. They say there is no way that President Trump could be reinstated to the presidency. But Boris, I had you on the show a couple weeks back. You say clearly in your legal estimation, there is a path for reinstatement. Please explain.
2: Well, here's what I'll say for sure, that to say there's not a path is a misunderstanding of the Constitution. The Constitution is a negative rights document, meaning it prohibits certain things. It prohibits the state's. From abridging the right to free speech, uh, prohibits the federal government from doing the same. It pro- it prohibits, you know, putting somebody in jail without having actual, you know, actual charges against them. The fourth, fifth, sixth, uh, sixth amendments of the Bill of Rights. But everything that is not prohibited in the Constitution is allowed. So, for example, the Constitution doesn't speak to our ability or right to drive a car. It doesn't say anything about us going to the beach, but we can still go to the beach, right? So there's uh, the rights and and, and statements as well as processes not laid out in the Constitution are assumed actually to be constitutional. And if anything, the interplay of the Tenth Amendment, which says that what is not enumerated is left to the states, the Twelfth Amendment and the Article two of the Constitution, which say that state legislatures are the ones who define how presidential elections are carried out, would suggest that states do have a right to decertify. And from then, it's an open question. What happens next? And I believe that that question will end up in front of the Supreme Court, but nobody can say for sure that it's unconstitutional because, A, it hasn't been ruled on, and, B, it is not prohibited in the Constitution. And a lot of folks, po- po- you know, they point to that Electoral Count Act of 1887. Well, that act itself is widely considered to be very, very you know very difficult if it were to, to be withstood against constitutional scrutiny they believe it's very vulnerable against constitutional scrutiny so again this is a deep constitutional question but what i know for sure is that it is impossible right now to say that there could not be reinstatement if when we get the receipts which I do expect from that freight train of audits, as I call it, from Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Once the information is there, decertification should happen because that's the correct step from the states. And from then on, in terms of deciding what to do about the federal election, well, there's going to be an open question, and I believe it will end up in front of the Supreme Court to be decided.
1: And I think that is a question that a lot of us have. You know, if there's an ulterior motive, and there always is on the on the left, and especially in the propaganda press, for saying this is impossible, this is conspiracy theory, and then you have the Romneys of the world um, and and the rest of the elite globalist types that call themselves Republicans that say this is impossible, this is crazy, constitutionally constitutionally impossible. Um, how much of this ultimately? is a question of PR. How much of this is a question of marketing this to the American people for them to think it's believable? Because we all remember, Boris, things that went on, you talk about negative rights in the Constitution. I'm an amateur constitutional scholar in every way. I study this stuff constantly, and I understand negative rights, and it's really important that all Americans do. If you don't, please search it and understand it. Um, But Boris, all the way through this whole COVID thing, our negative rights were trampled constitutionally. Yes. And so what, how much of this is PR? And then, and then how much of this is about us continuing to make sure that we are courageously outspoken on these sorts of issues? Because even when the courts decide, they're not supposed to decide based on things like what the American body politic thinks, but a lot of times they do.
2: You know, one perfect example is the Wuhan lab question, right? Six months ago, the liberal mainstream media were saying that anybody who says that COVID-19, the China virus, came out of the Wuhan lab where they study the coronaviruses was a conspiracy theorist you were laughed down you were derided now it's Mm -hmm. pretty much accepted as likely fact that it came out of that of that lab in wuhan which as the president as president trump said from pretty much the beginning so that's a good example where it is absolutely vital for us to stand strong to focus on the real issues and that is bringing to the forefront the overwhelming amount of fraud that happened in 2020 and making it clear to all Americans that this election was not done with integrity. And the issues of reinstatement, the constitutionality of it, we will fight those as the next step. That's the next step. The first step is let's Get all the receipts, and that's what's happening now in the audit in Arizona. That's what's happening in Georgia. That's what's going to happen in Pennsylvania, I believe, in Wisconsin, Michigan, and other states. It is absolutely key to the continuation of our democracy to get that information out there, get it into the body politic, as you say. And you're absolutely right. Judges, justices. The court of public opinion, of course, all of that has a deep impact. That is why we need the receipts. That's why the freight train of audits is so important.
1: That's it's also why I think Americans need to not be afraid to speak out on this, even if you're going to be called a conspiracy theorist. You were probably, as you said, uh, called this on the Wuhan lab controversy. You were probably called a conspiracy theorist when you said mandatory masking was unconstitutional. You were probably called a conspiracy theorist um, you know, when, when you were told you couldn't use hydroxychloroquine or other drugs for COVID. There were a million times where, guess what? The conspiracy right. theorists were right. Boris, in theory, For reinstatement to happen, a lot of fraud will have to be found. And over the weekend, over 7,000 affidavits were delivered to Michigan lawmakers um, claiming election fraud. Are we about to see this dam break and the audits begin in other states, like for for instance, Michigan?
2: I believe so, and I think that is absolutely vital. Georgia, Pennsylvania, from what I understand, they're preparing articles of they're preparing subpoena information right now in Pennsylvania for a full forensic audit. Georgia, there's been a huge push. Vernon Jones has been pushing for a, a full forensic audit in all of the counties in Georgia, I believe 159 counties. In Arizona, we've had the forensic audit in Maricopa. We should have it in Pinal and Pima County as well. I absolutely believe that that freight train of audits, the dam of audits, is about to break, is about to be you know, moving across the country, and that's absolutely vital to the future of our democracy, and it will uncover the widespread election fraud perpetrated on the Democrats against the American people in 2020.
1: This coming weekend, there is a Trump rally planned in Ohio. He's ready to start working to remove the establishment Republicans and to defeat those rhinos who voted to impeach him. And that's what he's doing in Ohio this coming weekend. I think the MAGA movement is about to kick into hyperdrive. What say you?
2: I agree 100 percent. President Trump getting out there with his rallies, the freight train of audit moving across the country, the push of the MAGA movement, the MAGA posse, the MAGA, the MAGA populace standing strong and saying, you know what, we are not going to be quieted. We're not going to be shouted down. We believe this election was stolen for President Trump. We're going to stand up and we're going to make sure that's proven through full forensic audits that are squared away, that are done with airtight security. And we will not be told to just sit down and go away by the mainstream media, by the establishment, by the uniparty, which is the establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans. We are going to stand strong under the leadership of the one and only President Trump. And you know what,
1: Boris, if I were a Democrat and I believed that the Democrats rightfully won this election, I'd That's be right. supporting these audits. Sure. So any honest American should be thrilled to have our election That's system right. under a microscope to make sure it's functioning well. If it's nothing but a checkup, you go in, you get it done, you make sure everything's working well so you can eat healthier or so you can keep keep the same amount of running that you're already doing or whatever it is. This is a checkup. This is a pulse taking on our American elect- electoral system. This should be what every every American wants. That's and right. I just thank you so much for your legal expertise, for speaking out on this, for continuing to be courageous in the face of uh, so many threats and uh, so many uh, just disparities of uh, information out there. And, uh, and you know your stuff, you know your constitution, and we appreciate you bringing right. it, it to us. Boris Epstein, thank you so much.
2: Gina, thanks so much. You're a patriot and a champion. I really appreciate you. Bye-bye. Thanks. God bless.
1: Thanks. You too. Coming up, we have some news you didn't know, and we'll bring it to you right after this. Stay where you are.
0: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Oh. mm Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.
1: And now it's time for some news you did not know. Here to help, as always, from our RIV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, Jessica Rivera. Jessica, great to see you.
6: Good to see you, too, Dr. Gina. And now that the nation's restaurants are opening or reopening, one Durham, North Carolina restaurant is now tacking on a 20 percent living wage fee to customers' bills. The owner of Pizzeria Toro, Gray Brooks, actually says, quote, I hope it's going to be a trend because I think it's better for everybody. Our idea is to have people have jobs, uh, make more, and they can work one job, one full-time job, and not have to have a second job, end quote. The restaurant owner hopes the new fee will make his business a more attractive place to work. He plans to divide the money evenly amongst all of his employees as what he calls an equitable solution to hiring and keeping workers. Dr. Gina Brooks has made it very clear um, on top of this wage fee, he doesn't expect customers to tip on top of it, which I kind of had a question about, but uh, either way, I guess we'll find out how it works out for those employees, but the pizzeria did reopen on Friday.
1: Wow. You know, and, and to say that this doesn't affect families in the middle class is just so obscene. This incredible inflation, this horrible economy. Thanks, Joe Biden. Uh, and thank you so much, Jessica. I mean, that sincerely to you, not so much to Joe Biden. <laughs>
6: thank of you. Of course. You're welcome, Dr. Dina.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, NASA has a new mission under Joe Biden as well, and it doesn't have anything to do with space or space exploration. Here to go through it with us is someone who decided to go into radio instead of into the space program, although he is a rocket scientist in a lot of ways, and we're glad he's with us here today. He's a great radio talk show host in New York City. Kevin McCullough joins us now. KMC, great to see you.
7: You too, Dr. Gina.
1: All right, Kevin, I'm sure you remember when Obama and Biden entered the White House back in 2009 and they told the new NASA, I'll never forget saying this on, on, I don't remember if it was TV or radio, but I remember saying it so clearly, the new NASA administrator that the mission for NASA was outreach to Muslim countries which was quite a joke at the time and ended up being one of the many reasons that, of course, Obama lost the Democrat majority in the House and Senate in the midterms. Well, now, here, flash forward to present day, Biden is running NASA and now they are using recruiting videos like this one.
4: At NASA, we're on a mission of equity, launching opportunity.
1: Equal opportunity
5: to challenge and inspire.
2: To learn and thrive.
4: To reach those we've
6: never reached before.
2: To use science, data, and technology
4: to advance equity.
5: To shatter boundaries. And break down barriers across America.
4: To create a better future. We hope you'll join us on this
3: mission.
1: Wow, there you go, Kevin. So uh, a whole new mission for you know, NASA that has nothing at all to do with space.
7: <laughs> I have to think that whoever was charged from the administration uh, and put in charge of these recruitment videos, because the one, th- that one illustrates this well, as did the one for the, what was it, the Marines a couple of weeks ago, and they had oh, a, yeah, that a, was bad. A, a woman who had, uh, I don't know, she, it, was, it was everything except being a warrior. Uh, that she included in the recruitment video. And you just have to wonder, you know, what, what people like Putin and Xi Jinping and all these people that, you know, are looking at us overseas, What, what, what you wonder what they say over coffee at night uh, to their advisors when they say, you know, that U.S., that Donald Trump guy, he scared the you-know-what out of us, but these guys, uh, I'm not so much. Um, yeah, just another ugh. I look at that and I go, "What what what are we doing? I thought NASA was about going to space. I don't I don't want some affirmative action candidate that can repair f- refrigerators to be my captain if I'm on the uh, next uh, oh. space shuttle. I want to have the best guy that w- that ever graduated the Naval Flight Academy."
1: Yeah, so so incredibly racist and demeaning. Uh, to people of any minority. Uh, It's just ridiculous. Kevin, I want to ask you about Kamala's Juneteenth celebration she had at the VP's Speaking of Racist uh, residence over the weekend. We have some pictures from the very intimate get-together that she had with other powerful females inside D.C. like Pocahontas and some other senators. These are pics from Lynn Patton's Instagram where she pointed out that Kamala and Pocahontas, aka Elizabeth Warren, Uh, who lied, of course, about her ethnicity, are being served by the black help who are standing in the corners of the room in the background. Kevin, this looks like, I'm not kidding you, circa 1950s with black help and a bunch of white women at the table. And I might remind you that Kamala is not black. She's Indian and Jamaican, even though her Wikipedia calls her African-American, she's absolutely not. But Wikipedia lies about pretty much everything, so that shouldn't surprise us. Go, Kevin.
7: Well, if you count Kamala, and then I see one Asian woman at the table, you've got at least two women of color that are there, but it looks like the other 18 are pretty white. And when you're talking about needing to encourage diversity on, say, I don't know, Juneteenth, which by the way, can I just add Obama talked a big game about Juneteenth, never did anything about it. Uh, Bill Clinton never did anything about Juneteenth, you know, the war, the nation's first black president, whatever. You know right. who was it you know who it was that argued that Juneteenth, the end of slavery, deserved its own holiday celebration? Donald J. Donald Trump. Trump. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And and just another example of liberal progressives, regressives, I talk I say about yeah. them. They're trying to take it backwards. Uh, they, they, they want to talk a big game, but they're full of hot air.
1: Well, listen, I want to say I have no problem with Kamala having a meeting with a bunch of uh, white people, and I don't have any problem with the fact that they hire minorities. I think that's wonderful. They have jobs. That's a good thing. My problem is that this was supposed to be a Juneteenth event. And she is surrounded. It's just the whole thing. The optics are horrible. And if the situation were reversed, we know we would never hear the end of it. Had this been Mike Pence, it would have been the end of it. Anyway, all right, it is time for our meme of the day. Now, we see this meme here is from Father's Day. And this young boy asks his father, what it's like to be a man? And the father says, son, I don't know, we're liberals, and I told you to call me mom. Kevin, this is funny, because sadly, there are so many wacky lefties out there who you could envision um, teaching their kids to just be confused about what a mom and a dad are.
7: It's, it's not just confusing. It's the reason I'm turning the Olympics off. We've already got a BMX mm-hmm. bicyclist and a, and a heavyweight weightlifter that are going to compete as women and they have yeah. their dangling participles still attached.
1: Oh, gosh, it's just Kevin. Not,
7: just not, and I, it's not.
1: You're right. It's not. <laughs> we're, we're literally closing the show with dangling participles. Oh, that's great. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us. We always appreciate you.
7: Have a great week.
1: You too. Thanks you. Thanks to you too for joining me tonight here. And thanks to everyone at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice, RAV-TV, live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. Don't miss it. Promise you'll laugh. Hug your children. Love your God. Go boldly now and live the truth. Good night, everybody.